gentlemen, start your engines. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Listening to Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right, hello everybody. Welcome to the broadcast. Great to have you with us. Uh, man, was it a beautiful day today here in Palm Coast, Florida. Really just an incredible weekend. And what was amazing is that uh, I was told that there was going to be some kind of a tropical system and it was just going to do nothing but pour rain. And <laughs> it was kind of depressing about that, uh, you know, to hear about that, but, uh, didn't turn out to be the case. Just kind of a little bit cloudy and it was cooler than usual, but, uh, had a great weekend. Uh, got out on the bike this morning, uh, was able to stop by an open house of a friend who is a realtor. And there's a video on that, uh, on my, Facebook page if you want to check that out. So I got to tell you this uh, really weird thing happened this week with my Facebook page. So I logged into Facebook. I think this was on Thursday afternoon. And all of a sudden, there was a big message at the top of my Facebook page. (laughs) And I thought, oh, no, I'm in Facebook jail. But it turned out that uh, Facebook, and I don't know how this works. There's probably some kind of an artificial intelligence algorithm that runs. uh, But they notified me that I was uh, being upgraded to professional status and that I was now being listed as a public figure on Facebook, which I thought was really neat. And, and so as I started researching this a little bit, um, it turns out that I'll be able to have a lot more people following me and my posts, instead of just being mostly shown to my friends and direct followers, will also get included in the public timeline more often, uh, with Facebook. So that's pretty cool. Uh, so I, I was excited to see that. And speaking of social media, uh, so YouTube has come out this week and, uh, they've retracted their policy that questioning the accuracy or the outcome of the election is grounds for getting a strike. Uh, so they've taken away that policy. Of course, you know, too little, too late. Uh, they took away my, uh, channel, uh, because of that. Now, if you remember, I never actually concluded that the election outcome was wrong or an error. We just said there should be more transparency, that there was fraud, that we could do better uh, to make the elections better. I didn't know that the amount of fraud was significant enough or not to have affected the election. We had someone on that was, um, you know, talking about the different reforms that could make the elections more secure, more accurate. And that was sort of the trigger, uh, having him on. And then uh, I lost my YouTube channel after I think I was on YouTube uh, for about 12 years and had millions and millions of viewers. But uh, it doesn't look like they're going to go back retroactively and give back uh, the channels to anybody uh, who lost their channels. But uh, yeah, so uh, at least for the future, uh, it's okay to question uh, elections. Uh, you know, I mean, it's America, right? I mean, shouldn't you have the right to raise questions? Uh, and maybe you're dead wrong on the questions you're raising, but still, you know, to raise a question for discussion 
And there was a lot of, you know, shenanigans that went on during the election. Again, we don't know if those shenanigans were enough or not to have affected the outcome, but there certainly were a lot of shenanigans and we don't need to get into that tonight. Um, but it's interesting to see now that uh, I think some of these social media platforms are starting to learn their lesson and backing off when you see the growth of sites like Rumble and you see how much, how many people they're pulling away uh, from YouTube over to Rumble. And uh, that's where this show now gets posted is to rumble each week. Okay, so I got a, uh, a message. This was about uh, three weeks ago from uh, Tommy Danheiser, who is the producer, as you know, of Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie. And he said that they were going to have this special broadcast and it was going to be on June the 4th, which is George's birthday. It's going to be a special George Norrie birthday party. George Norrie is turning 72 and they invited me to be a guest. So if you are watching this show live on Sunday night, uh, you can listen to me tonight at 3 a.m. Eastern on with George Norrie, Coast to Coast AM. And so what I did to kind of celebrate George's birthday, also to uh, generate some traffic and some new followers, um, I went ahead on Amazon and I made five of my books available for free. Now, these are the Kindle versions. And I find this interesting how many people, when I tell them uh, about Kindle, the Kindle versions of my book, uh, my books, that uh, that they kind of get, I don't know, they get disappointed that it's not the, the physical pre, uh, the physical printed version that's free. <laughs> of course, that wouldn't be possible to give that away to like tens of thousands of people. Um, but, you know, the Kindle devices are so nice now, so advanced. I got kind of the top of the line one a couple of years ago and man is it nice it's it's lit i can make the text larger as i'm getting older i i need that and uh it's so nice to just carry that around and be able to just read you know my library on kindle is of books i've already bought it's probably over a thousand uh but then you have access to all of these other you know, tens of thousands of books in their library, especially if you, especially if you join the uh, Kindle Unlimited uh, membership, you get access to I don't even know how many books, but uh, it is a really, really neat technology. But here's what you need to know. So if you get any of my books for free on Kindle, you can read them on a phone, you can read them on an iPad, you can read them on a regular desktop or a laptop computer, because there are apps to be able to read the Kindle books on all of those different uh, kinds of devices. Okay, uh, so the debt ceiling deal did go through, and it was really a crazy, rocky ride for the bond market. And a lot of people don't know, but I used to be a bond trader. Um, one of my securities licenses in the past was as a supervisor, actually supervisor level of municipal bond trading. Um, so I'm very familiar with the bond market um, and used to, when I worked for a Wall Street firm, sell bonds and uh, it was crazy what happened in the bond market because now that I'm in the mortgage business, mortgage rates follow the 10-year treasury bond. And so it was just crazy this last week and a half, especially working with clients trying to lock rates when rates were just all over the map. But it looks like that has settled down. Um, rates have kind of you know settled down a little bit from the movement they've had over the last couple of weeks. So if you are someone that uh, is looking to purchase a home or do a refinance uh, this you know week with the market opening on Monday, wouldn't be a bad time to take a look at maybe locking in 
that mortgage interest rate. Okay, so one of the controversies, and it's a controversy that is on really, it's not uh, politically uh, charged in the sense that it's not Democrats, it's not Republicans, but this whole issue of student loan forgiveness. Um, there are a lot of people that want this. And of course, we've had Alan College on the broadcast to talk about really the unfairness of student loans, the egregious collection tactics, um, the fact that uh, young people getting into these loans a lot of times don't realize how much they're going to owe over the years once the interest is added. A lot of young people are getting into these these uh, student loans, not really realizing you know, what it's going to take in terms of a career to be able to pay them back. So they just sign these like, you know, just like blank checks. So, I mean, some of the colleges now, what they're charging is just really crazy. Uh, I mean, there are colleges within driving distance of my broadcast studio here where it's $50,000 a year for a young person to go to college. So you're talking about a couple hundred thousand dollars, not even including the interest to be able to go off to college. So people are being smarter. They're going to community college. They're doing the online college thing. There's all kinds of alternatives, uh, especially uh, colleges like Western Governors University, which I've written about on my blog. And you can find that article by going to blog.christianmoney.com, where people are able to go to college online, get an accredited degree, uh, and spend something like, you know, three or four thousand uh, bucks, you know, per uh, you know, just uh, my one of my relatives got his master's degree spent, I think, three or four thousand total to get his master's degree. So I think for a, a four year degree, it might be, you know, maybe six, eight thousand dollars. But these kinds of colleges that are offering Grand Canyon University is another one where they're offering people affordable options that make sense. So I think that what we need to do is really twofold. I think we do need to reform the uh, the college loan system, but we also need to reform how colleges are operating and and the costs that they're charging, which just seem hard to justify in this day and age. But so um, there was uh, legislation passed uh, that would repeal the student loan forgiveness that uh, Biden had put into motion. Of course, that is still pending in front of the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, but Biden says he's going to veto that. So even Democrats are against the student loan forgiveness, but the president considers this one of his signature accomplishments, and he's planning to veto this repeal of the student loan forgiveness. So the bottom line of this is, I guess we're waiting for the Supreme Court ruling, which is supposed to come at any time. But the bad news is for those that have student loan debt, that within the next 60 days, you're going to have to start making payments again on the student loan debt. So um, that is uh, kind of the latest on that. And I know that this is a big deal to a lot of people. Uh, I know people personally that once that spigot turns back on of the student loan payments, they're going to have to come up with a thousand bucks a month or more to pay their student loans. It is incredible. It is something that um, it's something I've never seen in my lifetime in terms of these level of payments, I mean, these are literally like mortgage payments that people have uh, paying these student loans. So uh, good news, bad news, uh, we might get the Supreme Court ruling uh, to still support this forgiveness of the student loans. But then, um, you know, 
uh, on the other hand, we might not. And it looks like the payments are going to uh, get started again in 60 days. Uh, I kind of, I'm kind of neutral on it. You know, I get it. I understand the people that are upset because they didn't borrow money and they paid cash and they saved and all of that. And what about them? And then I do understand the other people that are, this is like a life changing thing for them that they have this debt and this debt is stopping them from being able to buy a house, from being able to move forward with their life. So, so I get both sides of it. Uh, and I do certainly sympathize, you know, with both opinions on that. And I'm kind of straddling the fence, which I don't usually do, but that's one issue that, uh, it, it's, it's hard to take a position one way or the other, because I think there are good arguments on both sides. All right. So tomorrow I am getting on a flight and I'm flying to Detroit, Michigan, and I'm going to be in Detroit for five days and I'm planning to make the most of that. So uh, I'm going there actually for some business meetings. Uh, you know, now that I'm back working in real estate, uh, there's a conference that I'm going to be going to in Detroit. But I do have scheduled for myself two days off. And one of the things I'm going to do while I'm up there is I want to go see uh, the Henry Ford Museum has a collection of presidential cars. You know, these are the special bulletproof uh, cars that the president rides in. And they have that car that the J that JFK was riding in the day that he was assassinated in Dallas, Texas. Now, if you read my book on the JFK assassination, you know that it was really, as I said in the book, one of the most surprising things that I learned um, in researching the JFK assassination was the fact that the car that JFK was riding in in Dallas that he was assassinated in that that vehicle was actually repaired and a few months later was put back in service. I don't know. I just thought that was really macabre. I thought that was really strange that that vehicle wouldn't have been retired, that they would have put that vehicle back on the road again. Uh, obviously, the government <laughs> wastes money on everything, right? You would just think that there would be something somber, something almost hallowed about that vehicle that JFK was riding in, but they, they, they fixed it back up again and they put it back on the road. And I thought, man, that was just, I don't know, that struck me as odd. And I mentioned that in the book. And when I learned in my research of the JFK assassination, that the car was actually in the Henry Ford museum in Detroit. Uh, you know, I said to myself, what was this five or six years ago when I wrote the book with Bob Yetman, I said, man, someday I want to see that car. And, um, I know it's, you know, maybe it's a morbid curiosity. Um, but I've seen the car on so many, you know, videos, video reels, so many specials, you know, videos, documentaries, uh, on the JFK assassination. Um, I want to see the car. And so that's one of the things I'm going to do when I am in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, did I say I was in Dallas? <laughs> I'm going to Dallas. No, I'm going to Detroit, Detroit, Michigan. I'm flying out uh, tomorrow. So that's one of the things I'm going to be doing. I'm also going to the Motown Museum, and I'm going to see on Friday night the Detroit Tigers. So if you want to kind of follow me on my trip, there'll be lots of fun pictures and videos and all kinds of things. Um, you can check me out uh, on Facebook. Just type in James L. Paris. And now you can follow me on there, even though I've hit the maximum of 5,000 friends on my personal page. They've now opened it up so that it's unlimited. All right. 
Authorities uh, in Portland, Oregon, are announcing their concern that there may be a serial killer uh, operating within the area. Now, this is because in the last six months, uh, within a hundred mile uh, distance, there has been six women killed, and there's similarities in all these murders, and enough so that they believe that it may be the same person. And they're they're considering the fact that there may be uh, a serial killer operating in Portland, Oregon. Um, and I had posted this on my Facebook, and uh, actually a couple of other people responded and said that uh, it's not just Portland, but there's a couple of other major cities now that have similar concerns. Uh, of course, we haven't seen anything, um, you know, like this, um, uh, you know, having a prominent serial killer that's operating in a major city. I mean, maybe you could go back to, um, you know, uh, BTK, uh, Ted Bundy, um, you know, um, Son of Sam. I mean, these are some of the ones, of course, that that we remember historically. Uh, but uh, boy, you know what? I This is what I always tell young young women, especially uh, you know, mothers, uh, get your kids when they're, you know, high school age, get them into a self-defense program. You can get get this um, rape aggression defense training, which I got certified to be an instructor uh, in this. You can get your kid in there uh, for a day of training. It's, it's eight hours and they learn all the basics of physical self-defense. They also learn the psychology of awareness, which I think is equally, if not more important than the actual physical self-defense skills. Uh, but uh, women of all ages need to take this training, but I'm a big believer in just, you know, hey, before you send your kid off to, to college, uh, your, your, especially your, your female young person in your family, uh, buy this course for them. Get them in a RAD program and, and teach them how to not just um, understand the basics of physical self-defense, but also the psychology of awareness is so critical because uh, serial killers uh, tend to be very cunning individuals that have, um, you know, systems that they use. I mean, I, I've said this in my trainings before that uh, you're going up against a 10 degree, 10th degree black belt in evil. I mean, these people are evil. Um, they've been offending for many years. Um, they are very smart. And uh, like Ted Bundy, he used fake casts, all kinds of different gimmicks to be able to get women uh, to, to suck them into his, um, you, you know, to close to his vehicle where he was able to throw them in the vehicle, handcuff them uh, to the dashboard of his vehicle uh, by using such tricks, uh, getting them to help carry his groceries, et cetera, faking that he had an injury, that he was on crutches, that he had a, uh, a cast. These are the kinds of cunning things that serial killers will do, which is why in particular, as we're raising young women, they need to understand the psychology of the serial killer and also just basic awareness. Uh, so, hey, maybe you don't want to, your young lady in your family doesn't want to go out and uh, become a black belt in Taekwondo, uh, but they might want to take one of these one-day courses. I, I highly suggest it, especially if you're sending them off to college. Okay, uh, so one of the questions that is coming in, it's like every day people are asking me, Jim, can I still buy real estate in Florida? Has real estate gone up too much? You know, what's your opinion about the, the real estate market? Uh, and I'll be honest with you. I think that uh, buying in Florida is a fantastic opportunity 
and it still is. And, and yes, you know, my house, um, that I bought in 2010, uh, we purchased for 125,000 and now it's worth over $400,000. Of course, it's being sold now, uh, because of my divorce, which, uh, many of you already know about, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's that with, with, uh, you know, the house, but yeah, so it went up like, almost fourfold uh, since 2010. So the question is then, you know, has has real estate gone up too much in Florida? Is it is it overbought? Is is the is it going to crash? You know, we've had uh, a little bit of a price correction, you know, 3-4% uh price correction here in the last few months. Um but I'll tell you what to look at if you're not convinced what I'm telling you that you can still buy in Florida and it's still going to keep going up. Um just do a Google search for Florida population growth, St. Louis Federal Reserve. So the St. Louis Federal Reserve has a fantastic chart that you'll find. And it shows the growth of the population of Florida from like the early 1900s to present day. And the trend of a thousand new people coming into the state of Florida is holding solid and it is an incredible chart if you look at it and one of the things we know about real estate is they're not making any more i mean yes you can build houses but you can't create any more physical land there is what there is and uh you know florida of course has done everything they could to you know drain swamps to create more area to build that's what they did when they built disney um, but it is a supply and demand argument, basic economics. Um, there is only so much real estate to be had in Florida. And we have a thousand people a day moving in. Uh, the population of Florida is almost 23 million people, which is just remarkable when you think about where Florida was even just 20 or 30 years ago. And with the remote working trend that has solidly established itself, uh, why would you live in Chicago or a cold place like New Jersey and pay high taxes and have to deal with high crime and traffic and all those other problems? And, and you can take that money from your house in Boston, uh, your little two bedroom cottage that's near Logan Airport. You could sell it for 500,000 or a million dollars. Come to Florida and get a mansion, you know, on the intracoastal and you can get a boat and everything. And people are doing this. And I know there's a fear that, uh, hey, how high can it go? Is it going to crash? And Elon Musk had come out and, and predicted that the real estate market is going to crash. And so everybody's kind of, you know, Elon Musk is a genius. He's not necessarily a genius with money. You know, I, I honestly think he paid way too much for Twitter. Uh, he's probably still down half of what he put into buy Twitter. Uh, so just because someone's a genius engineer doesn't mean they're a genius with money. But I can tell you, whenever you're listening to people giving opinions about real estate, if they talk about real estate as a monolithic thing, you know, that is that it is one market. The entire market is going to go up or go down. You don't want to listen to that person. Absolutely regional. Uh, and you've got to look at it that way. You've got to look at, you know, where are people leaving? Where are they going? Uh, so we know they're leaving the northern states and we know they're coming to places like Florida and Texas and Tennessee and the Carolinas. And so you want to get out of real estate in those areas that is that are a losing population, which are the northern states, the blue states, people leaving from California. You know, we know the areas where there's a net outflow of people 
and you want to buy in the areas where the people are moving to. And I still think Florida is fantastic. And I think where I live in Palm Coast, Florida, is an incredible market, not only because you can freely operate here in Palm Coast, Florida, and do Airbnb, which is which is unique because a lot of cities in Florida won't let you do Airbnb, or they severely restrict uh, how much you can do Airbnb. You can do Airbnb here in Palm Coast, Florida with your property, uh, which makes it really neat. If you buy an investment property and you want to rent it out for $500 a night and then come down and use it yourself for part of the year, that's all possible here in Palm Coast, Florida. I will also tell you that Palm Coast is still a, a super cheap value compared to its neighbor to the north, St. Augustine, St. John's County area, and also to the south, which is Volusia County, Ormond Beach, Daytona Beach. This is still a pocket of value where you can get a lot more for your money than you can get in these neighboring counties. And uh, I am a licensed loan officer. I do have licenses in several states. If you get in touch with me, uh, my email that goes right to my phone is jameslparis at gmail.com. We can connect and talk about maybe buying a retirement home, an investment home. Maybe you're a remote person. You can just pack everything up and just move here to Florida. I would hap be happy to talk to you about that. I also have realtors that I work with that I can refer you to. Uh, so I'm still a huge believer in this trend of moving to Florida. Okay, the last thing we're going to get to on this broadcast is another question that I get almost every day, how to settle a debt. So the first thing is, before you decide you're going to settle a debt, if you're doing it to try to improve your credit, which is mostly the reason that people want to do this, it's important to get a, a look at your credit report. You can use Credit Karma. You can use Credit Sesame. You can use freeannualreport.com, the site to go get your report for free. Uh, so you want to look and see if that debt, even if it shows up on your credit, is it reporting new, fresh data on you? If it is, then yes, by settling it, you're going to be able to make your score go up. If it's just on there, but it's not reporting and it hasn't been for a while, last, you know, maybe two, three years, it hasn't been reporting, you probably don't want to even deal with it at this point. If you're trying to raise your score, maybe to get a mortgage or buy a car or maybe refinance, uh, pay off some debts, consolidate, you don't want to do that at this point because it may actually bring your score down because if it's a debt that's no longer reporting and then you get in touch with them and they start reporting again, as I talk about in my book, Credit Scoring Secrets, it is like waking up the dead. You're taking something that is not reporting you're now making it uh, current, and it is going to bring your score down. Even if you settle it, it's going to bring your score down. So, um, But if it is currently reporting and paying it off could get it to stop currently reporting, then yes, you can do that. Um, now, my book, uh, Credit Scoring Secrets, it is free right now um, for a couple of days. As I mentioned at the top of the broadcast that some of my books are free in conjunction with my appearance with George Norrie uh, tonight on Coast to Coast AM. That is one of the books that is available for free. But, uh, and there is a lot in there on how to settle a debt. But what you want to do, I suggest that you settle it in one lump sum. So so you don't want to get into a payment plan with a collection agency. There's a lot of reasons for that. I talk about it in my book, but we don't have time to get into all the reasons. But it's better to, to you know go ahead and try to settle in one payment. And you can usually settle for half, maybe even 70% off because 
many times the original debt has been increased so many times as it's been sold to different collection agencies. You might have a situation where maybe you originally owed a hundred bucks and now they're saying you owe five hundred dollars. So maybe you could settle it, you know, for two hundred bucks, two hundred and fifty dollars. So you want to get the debt collector to give you in writing the 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 deal, you know, the settlement agreement. You're gonna be able to wipe this out to zero for two hundred bucks, whatever the deal is. You want to get that in writing before you give them a penny. Then when you do pay them, you should pay them uh, with a uh, certified check from your bank, a money order. Uh, you do not want to give them your bank account information. You do not want to give them any way to go back and take out more than you agreed to. And just trust me on that because they will lie to you. Uh, oh, that person doesn't work here anymore. Uh, I don't, we have no record of you settling that for 200 bucks. So we went back and drafted from your bank account another $300 30 days later. They do this. So you don't want to create a situation that gives them any opportunity to come back and to go after uh, your money. And, you, and if you use a certified check from the bank or a money order, then uh, they would have no way to do that. All right. Thanks so much for joining us. If you want to get in touch, my general email is jim at christianmoney.com. If you want to get in touch, though, about uh, mortgages and, and other things related to real estate here in the area, the email that goes right to my phone for immediate attention is jameslparis at gmail.com. Thanks so much for joining us. And remember, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. Thanks so much for watching and listening. God bless. So long, everybody.